Hello, everyone, and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about my journey through cinema. I am your host, Patrick, and you can follow along with my movie watching on Letterboxd. My name on there is Long Monkey, all one word. And you can check out my weird fiction and other projects at proleary.com. That's P-R-O-Leary.com. It's just me today, folks. So I'm going to do a little recap of what I've watched recently and then do a little dive into a segment of cinema that's a pretty fun one, I think. And if you stick around, as usual, you'll find an uncommon film recommendation at the end. So let's kick it off. This week, the first movie I watched was The Villainess by Jung Byung-gil, 2017. It's a South Korean action film about a young girl who is trained to be an assassin after uh, she is left for dead and a convoluted story of a mob hit and uh, a love story and all these crazy things that are happening. It is very much a take off of La Femme Nikita, Luc Besson's movie. It kind of lifts the whole plot directly from there, but then adds in this weird romantic comedy uh, sort of subplot and then a lot of convoluted uh, spy stuff on top. It's fun. The action scenes are mostly really well done. They're filmed in that GoPro style that Hardcore Henry was filmed at, where the camera's attached to the actress as she runs around uh, murdering lots and lots of people. The actress is Kim Oakbin, and she's uh, really good. She's got a good look. She's really cool in her leather jacket, riding on her motorcycle. The motorcycle chase is, is particularly vigorous and entertaining and feels like um, almost like the one in John Wick 3, which is cool. Uh, it's The problem with the movie is that it's all over the place. It gets really goofy at the end. Uh, not not intentionally goofy, but the plot is just way out there and over the top. And the action scenes are filmed, because it's filmed with that GoPro style, it's very digital. It looks digital. It kind of feels a little cheap. But the camera does some really amazing and ingenious things that I'd never saw a camera do before. So that's that's pretty cool. That's The Villainess by Zhang Byung-gil. After The Villainess, I watched a new movie on HBO called The Little Things, directed by John Lee Hancock, starring Denzel Washington and Mommy Malik and Jared Leto. And, okay, folks, not much I can say about this one. It is not a good movie it's about a cop with a sordid past who kind of gets wrapped up in this, um, these missing girls, these murdered girls cases. And, uh, you, Denzel Washington's the cop and he is, he's fine. He's good as always. I don't think he can ever be bad, but the role is just so, uh, we've seen it a million times before. And, um, Rami Malek, Malek as his, as the detective in charge of the cases, I don't know what he's doing, but he's got this really weird acting affectations, the way he speaks, the way he carries himself. And I just did not like it at all. Not that it's a bad performance. It just did not work for me at all. And, uh, Jared Leto play, plays the, uh, kind of the main suspect of, uh, what's going on. And, you know, you can, you can, you can predict the whole 
opening two acts without a problem. And then the third act, characters just start doing really dumb things uh, with motivations that don't make any sense. Kind of just to set up an ending that was, you know, not bad. <laughs> so overall, it's a pretty bad movie that tries too hard to be like a Zodiac ripoff, which is what a lot of people are saying. And in fact, the opening scene is like directly lifted from Zodiac, uh, except it's not David Fincher. So it's not that great. So I cannot recommend The Little Things, directed by John Hancock from just this year, 2021. After The Little Things, I watch another bad movie, except this one was known to be bad and sort of fun. And I'm glad I watched it because it's part of those uh, a genre that I really love, 90s erotic thrillers. This one directed by Uli Edel in 1993, stars Madonna and Willem Dafoe, and it is called Body of Evidence. Body of Evidence is a story of a rich, older man who dies under mysterious circumstances, and all fingers are pointing to his sexy young girlfriend, played by Madonna. And Willem Dafoe is her attorney, as she's accused of murder. And it's mostly a courtroom drama, which was odd. I didn't expect that. But it's punctuated by very graphic sex scenes between Madonna and Willem Dafoe. And, you know, I guess that's why why you'd want to watch this movie. Uh, Madonna, of course, is the the big name that Drew was drawing people in at the time. And she is, her performance is good. I mean, her acting, it's hard to tell if her acting is stilted or it's just the script and the direction or the character, but she is, she, she fits into this world. Um, but she is just oozing like this raw sexuality in her scenes, which is cool to see. I mean, if you're going to have a character do that, Madonna is a good choice of an actress and she really gives them her all. Her and Willem Dafoe get down to some really graphic business and it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's exactly what you would expect. The movie itself is fine. It's not bad at all. It would have been much better if they had changed the ending around because the ending kind of comes out of nowhere. But besides that, it's a standard, uh, 90s erotic thriller and you, you know, you could do, you could do much worse. That's a body of evidence by Uli Edel. After Body of Evidence, I watched, this is a rewatch for me, a movie that I just got on Blu-ray this past holiday season, Miracles, directed by Jackie Chan, also known as Mr. Canton and Lady Rose, or the Canton Godfather. It is one of Jackie Chan's later directorial efforts in his prime wheelhouse heyday of the 80s. This is 1989. And it's a story of, uh, you know, Jackie Chan. He plays this young guy that arrives in, uh, Hong Kong back in, I think, the 20s and accidentally becomes the leader of a gang and comic hilarity ensues and action scenes ensue. But most of the movie is involved with him trying to save the save face of this older woman who he has been buying flowers from the entire movie, because from the beginning of the movie, whenever he buys a flower from this woman, something lucky happens and he becomes, becomes his sort of a crutch that he needs to keep buying flowers from this woman. And when she needs his help, 
that's when the movie kicks into its real story of using his powers as a gang leader to try to help her. And it's, um, well, the situation I can, I can explain is without giving much away. She's pretending to be rich and her daughter, who is in mainland China, is marrying the son of some rich mogul. And now she needs to come back and visit. And the daughter does not know that the mom is just a poor flower seller and thinks that the mother is rich. And if her fiance finds out about this, the marriage will not go through etc etc it's very dated it's very sexist it's very uh horribly traditional but it allows for some really good comic set pieces with a lot of people pretending to be other people and then trying to not let people be in the same room and you can kind of picture jackie and his madcap uh like silent film type humor that he's really good at doing you can you can kind of picture that and that's where you're getting it's a lot of fun it's punctuated by really good action scenes, including one in a rope factory, which is famous. And uh, it's a good one. This is not top tier Jackie Chan. That would be police story for me personally, but it's really, it's, it's a good one. You cannot go wrong with anything Jackie made in the 80s. That was Miracles or Mr. Canton and Lady Rose or the Canton Godfather. After Miracles, I switched it up yet again and watched a 2009 romantic comedy directed by P.J. Hogan called Confessions of a Shopaholic. Now, when I worked in the book industry, this book was huge, and um, Sophie Kinsella, the author, made a whole series out of it, and this was the the big movie based on her the first book in the series, and it stars Isla Fisher as this young shopping-assessed journalist who is in debt up to her eyeballs and needs to find a job. And she really wants a job at this fashion magazine. And she kind of stumbles into a, a meet cute with the um, lead, like the, the guy in charge of a money magazine that happens to be under the umbrella of the bigger magazine company. So she decides to get a, she kind of accidentally gets a job there. And, um, her idea is to use that as a stepping stone and stepping stone into the real job in the fashion magazine. But the editor, Hugh Dancy, is uh, a cute British guy who obviously she's going to fall in love with. And um, meanwhile, she's being stalked by her debt collector and she's trying to overcome her shopping addiction. And uh, she's trying to, you know, navigate the world of finance journalism that she knows nothing about considering she's in debt up to her eyeballs like i said it's a good setup unfortunately the meat cute is a little too cute and that kind of goes for the whole movie it gets the setup for things happening are very coincidental a lot of times and you know that's fine you kind of expect that par for the course for romantic comedy but it doesn't help that it's it's just so obvious. But the real, real uh, nail in the coffin for this one is the editing. The scenes kind of just jump all over the place. Lines are left hanging and uh, you it'll jump you right into the middle scene and then jump you right out of the same middle of a scene into the middle of another scene. Very disjointed, very jaunty and not in a good... Uh, you know, French new wave kind of way. This is, this is just bad editing. And, you know, 
It's rare that you see a movie that's just badly edited, but this is one. If you want to learn how to edit, watch Confessions of Shopaholic and do not do that. So that was Confessions of a Shopaholic, directed by P.J. Hogan from 2009. I will not name the editor's name for this one. That's it for the movies I watched besides the three that I did for a little dive into a fun segment of cinema. Today's segment is going to be on director Stanley Donan. Stanley Donan uh, made a bunch of movies back in the 40s and 50s, 60s, probably even the 70s. I had seen previously Charade, and Charade with Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant is one of my favorite movies. I love it. Uh, it's just so much fun and, and uh, has a lot of charm and charisma and a really fun script and great performances by a whole host of actors. Highly recommend Charade as a fun mystery romance Um romp <laughs> and uh so i wanted to see some more things by him so i started with a movie i also saw before but i wanted to rewatch singing in the rain <clears throat> which i had seen back in high school film class but I haven't seen since then and i guess i will spoil my age a little bit that was over 20 years ago so singing in the rain directed by stanley donan but also directed by gene kelly who directed and choreographed the music sequences singing in the rain is a story of Hollywood in the 20s on the verge of silent film turning into talkie film. And the two biggest silent stars are having trouble transitioning into the new style of sound pictures because her voice, um, Jean Hagen's voice, is, uh, let's just say, not... Uh, kind to the human ears and <laughs> she's got this really squeaky voice with a really bad sort of accent uh, and it just doesn't translate well to screen it's comical uh, Gene Kelly however is charismatic as hell and he can talk he can sing he can dance he can do everything and um, unfortunately he is kind of tied to this uh, his co-star who for all for appearances sake everyone likes to think that they're a couple but he's really in love with this girl that he stumbled upon by accident uh running away from some fans and it's a meet cute that works so much more than confessions of shopaholic um and from there it's just a, a great uh sort of a showcase of the talents of the stars I mean, Jim Kelly and Donald O'Connor as his friend Cosmo are amazing dancers. They have some great numbers together from their vaudeville days to, you know, Cosmo's great make them laugh number, Gene Kelly singing in the rain, um, the good morning numbers great. There's, there's so many good song and dance routines and really beautiful choreography. And it's just so much fun. Debbie Reynolds is the girl that Gene Kelly's in love with and, she has a great voice, and they try to do this uh, to save the movie that they're filming with uh, Gene Hagen's character. They substitute Debbie Reynolds' voice for her, and it goes off almost without a hitch. I won't spoil anything more, but you know, if you haven't seen Singing in the Rain, watch it. It's great, and I love it, and it's one of the best musicals out there, and it's one of the best movies ever made for a reason. I gushed about it. I do have some problems. I think that 
a lot of the musical numbers don't kind of connect to the plot that well. And I think some of them are a little long in the tooth, especially Gene Kelly doing his uh, interpretive dancing sort of number. <laughs> Not interpretive dancing, but it's a very surreal number that kind of they're just showing what one of the movies would look like. And he's imagining this vivid uh, dance routine that kind of goes on too long. But besides that, it's it's a banger. Singing in the Rain, Stanley Donnan, Gene Kelly, 1952. So, you know, that's uh, two Stanley Donnan movies that I loved. So I decided to watch another one starring one of my favorite actresses, Audrey Hepburn. So I watched Funny Face from 1957, Stanley Donnan's directing Audrey Hepburn and Fred Astaire in a sort of a romantic comedy musical where Audrey Hepburn is this um, intellectual book clerk and Gene Kelly, uh, sorry, Fred Astaire is the photographer that works at a fashion magazine, fashion magazine and realizes that her face is a little funny, but she could be the perfect girl to launch the new fashion campaign in Paris so he convinces her to join him and the magazine in Paris to do this crazy photo shoot and they fall in love, etc., etc. The problem, the big problem with this is, well, there's a couple of problems with this one. Spoiler, I did not like it very much. I love Audrey Hepburn. There are some fun moments, but Fred Astaire is really old in this one. And, you know, he, he made his name in the 30s and this was like 20 years later and He's old. He's got the, he's kind of aged out and Audrey Hepburn is really young. There's like a 30 year age difference between them and they fall in love way too quick. And when she kisses him, it's like her kissing her dad. It is so weird. And yeah, Fred Astaire uh, could definitely dance and do some cool things. But in this movie, his talents are not used uh, to their fullest at all. I think he kind of was taking it easy. There is one good dance number he has. The rest is not that interesting. Um, Audrey Hepburn is, you know, charming and uh, beautiful as always. Her face is not funny at all, which is what people are saying online, and I agree. When you look at Audrey Hepburn, you do not think that this this girl could never be a model, which is what everyone is saying in the movie. That doesn't make any sense. But, um, yeah, she does a good job, and I the only reason that I really enjoyed the movie was at any level would have been because of her. And I liked her interpretive dance number when she goes into this beatnik cafe and does a weird interpretive dance. That was fun. Otherwise, the movie's just paced really poorly. And I don't know. It's a very obvious story, and the love story does not work. There's no... There's no, there's nothing between her and um, Fred Astaire at all. And, you know, I kind of thought about charade when i was watching this because her and carrie grant is a big age difference but i think first off i think carrie grant aged a lot better a lot more suave than fred astaire i mean he's carrie grant and he um he's not the the instigator of the the love affair in in charade and charade he's like i'm too old for you girl why you uh why are you trying to hit on me all the time and the whole movie is like that but they have such good chemistry together uh that you just want it to work in this one, Fred Astaire out of nowhere just kisses her during the op- one of the opening scenes, and then she's like instantly in love with him, and it doesn't work at all. So that's Funny Face, directed by Stanley Donnan. 
I watched one more movie by him to complete uh, a sort of a trilogy. This one was another musical, this one from 1949, On the Town, directed by him and Gene Kelly. This one stars Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, and a couple other people that are, that are really good uh, comedic singers and dancers. And it's a story of three uh, Navy boys who go out on leave in New York City for one day, and they have 24 hours to do to paint the town red, so to speak. They each want to find a girl. They want to see all the sights. And uh, you got three kind of unique characters. Frank Sinatra's character wants to see everything there is to see about New York City. See all the sights and uh, visit all the museums and do all the cool stuff like that. Um, Gene Kelly's character sees a poster of Miss Turnstiles, who is the monthly sort of... Uh, award that they give to you know a pretty girl who rides the subway and uh it's kind of like a i don't know like a, a award no one really cares about you know you get your picture you hang up in the subway and then you know whoever gets it is happy but that's about it no one really remembers miss turnstiles but gene kelly falls in love with her upon seeing her picture and instantly uh believes that she is, is this huge celebrity and he uses the information on her on her little uh, poster to try to find her after they, uh, and they do meet right away, but it's very briefly. And that's where he gets into his head that she is the girl for him. And then it's a, it's a race to try to find her before the day ends, hitting up all the haunts that she might be at. Jules Munchen is the third guy, Ozzy, and he just wants to get a date and go, uh, have some fun. And, uh, yeah, he does. Actually, they all wind up with girls and they all uh, do some fun dance numbers and it moves really fast. And you got a great sort of a uh, hook to keep the movie going, you know, where they're trying to find find this girl. And then when they do find the girl, they're trying to get away from all the antics that they caused on their way to find the girl. And it's just it's it's loads of fun. Gene Kelly is just really charismatic and a great dancer and a great performer and a, I'm going to be intrigued to watch more of his stuff. Uh, Frank Sinatra, who I thought was, I've only seen a few movies with him, but now I can, I can see that he can act. He's really good on screen. I didn't know if he would be kind of like this guy who was just a singer and they put him in these roles to just sing a song or whatever, but no, he can act, he can sing. It's, uh, it's a, it's a good performance. Everyone in this movie is good. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's aged well. I mean, it's, God, almost 70, it's 72 years old, and it's still really fun to watch, recommended on the town. All right, so that is it for my Stanley Donan uh, little dive, and I have to say that I'm a fan of him. Funny Face was a misfire, but the other movies I've seen are a lot of fun, have a lot of charm, have a lot of cool... Uh, sort of collage pastiche direction directing where you know it'll, it'll cut to um people dancing on or doing things on not even a real set not even a real location just like this empty colorful room and uh it's it's just it's cool it works and uh he's really good at just keeping things moving for the most part uh and he did bring us gene kelly uh, as from what I can see, and that's uh, that's a big get for the world. 
All right, so I will not let you go before I give you a uncommon film recommendation. And because I talked about classic Hollywood from the 50s, I wanted to give sort of a fun, colorful movie. This one is not a musical, but it definitely fun, definitely colorful, definitely something that I've been thinking about a lot lately just because it's so charming and uh, entertaining. And that is Million Dollar Mermaid, directed by Mervyn Leroy. And it is the true... It's sort of it's a biopic of Annette Kellerman, who was a uh, famous swimmer way back when. This movie is uh, stars Esther Williams as Annette Kellerman as she achieves fame and invents this uh, one-piece bathing suit that scandalizes the nation. Uh, and it shows her kind of coming up from being a circus performer to uh, doing all these swimming stunts to becoming world famous. And it's just a it's a lot of fun. It shows the charm of the cast and some really good directing. It's got Esther Williams, Victor Mature, Walter Pigeon. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. It's Million Dollar Mermaid by Mervyn Leroy. All right. Well, that is it for this week. Come back next episode because I have a special guest and we're going to be talking about time travel movies. In fact, we talked about them uh, many years ago, but I'm just going to be playing it now. And in it, you will see that we were able to predict what happened in the year 2020. Now, I'm just joking, but I am very excited to talk with him about these time travel movies. And I have a few interesting ones I'm going to be watching. So check back next episode for that. In the meantime, you can follow along on my Letterboxd. My name on there is Long Monkey, And check out my fiction and other projects at P.R. O'Leary.com. Have a good night and sweet dreams.